Welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast, the podcast in which Stephen Altrogi, Barnabas Piper, and Ted Cluck cheerfully rant about all the things that don't matter all that much. And now, buckle up for today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of the Happy Rant Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Altrogi, with my co-hosts, Barnabas Piper and Ted Cluck. Guys, it's October. We've made it to October. How are you feeling about the fall? It's 80 degrees. It doesn't feel like fall just yet. Is it? Do, what's the temperature? Like, does it get down pretty cold in, in Tennessee? Dude, we had, a, we had a cold week last week, Barnabas. It felt, uh, it felt nice, man. It felt yeah. like fall. Yeah, I was really excited about that, and then it went away, and now it's 80 again. Um, yeah, now it's summer again. <laughs> yeah, It's going to be 85 here tomorrow, I'm, and it's actually been cool here the last couple of days too. But, yeah, it's disappointing. Now, f- fall here is really nice and then short, and then winter is like, I don't know, it kind of hovers around 30 and then occasionally plunges and occasionally goes up into the 40s. But, it's I mean, it's chilly enough. So it's basically like the worst possible option for a winter. It's not cold enough to actually be winter, but it's not warm enough to be enjoyable. Dude, yeah. no, listen, man. That's that, you're, true. You're, you're speaking as someone who's never lived in Michigan for a winter. <laughs> that's like, true. Cold, yeah, that's cold true. enough to actually be winter is not a, it's not a thing to be romanticized and sort of spoken wistfully about. Because it's, it's really, like, cold enough to kill you. Yeah, it's like five <laughs> degrees and snowing every day, and you'd never <laughs> see the sun. It's like suicide-inducing winter. See, that that's so funny, because having grown up in Minnesota, the whole cold weather thing, I do kind of romanticize from my childhood, but Minnesota does not have cloudy winters. It's brilliantly yeah, yeah. sunny most of the time. It's probably because awesome. it's... Yeah, Wisconsin, same thing. Like, you yeah. guys get really sunshine over on that side of the lake, and we get... Uh, yeah, we get the cloud cover and the gloom. <laughs> and in, in Tennessee, you get all the cloud cover and gloom with the occasional ice storm and no snow to send your kids out to play in. It's, it's a hoot. It sounds delightful. Well, uh, before we dive in, let's thank our sponsors. Let's thank David C. Cook Books. David C. Cook Dave. Cook, Dave. Thank Dave. you, Dave. Uh, David this is C. our Cook last week Books. with Dave, right? The, uh, yeah, it's been it is. It's our last week with Dave. Dave, I feel like Dave has is, is been with us for so long. It's sort of like sending a child off to college. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're sort of like we're packing Dave up and kind of having those last moments together. Or to but it's kind of like sending home. your last child off, so it's kind of exciting, too. It's like the empty yeah. nester thing. We're going to be empty nesting. Dave's going to be away. He'll, he'll just check in via <laughs> phone or text every once in a while. Every six weeks or so. <laughs> Make good yeah. decisions, Dave. That's right. Uh, yeah, so David C. Cookbooks, and there is a deal this week on our very own Barnabas Piper's book, The Pastor's Kid, one ninety nine on Kindle. Is that right, Barnabas? Yeah, Kindle, probably other ebooks too, but I don't know who uses other ebooks besides Kindle, so let's just stick with that one. Kindle and Kobo, or whatever that other, like, Yeah, and then there's... One. Then there's uh, there's Barnes and Nobles. What is that? Nook. Yeah. And then iBooks would probably be the other one. And I think it's one ninety nine for all those too. Uh, Barnabas, have you had a, a pretty good response to that book? I have. Yeah, it's been it's been really cool to connect with pastors and pastors' kids who have found it. I guess they found it helpful. They appreciated it, and a lot of people have have said that it's sort of spoken to something that they weren't sure how to put into words. So I guess that. Uh, it's a pretty good feeling as an author when you can write something that other people couldn't figure out how to say. It's been really good for you to connect with other disenfranchised pastors' kids. Yes, it is. It's it's wonderful to have a community of sort of disjointed, 
awkward cynical some, somewhat cynical <laughs> and depressed people yeah we were really good for each other no the funny thing is the number who have said man we need an event for pastors kids and inside i'm just like oh are you kidding that me? sounds that like would... the worst thing yeah. ever <laughs> I, know. I know it'd be like an aa meeting except more depressed that dude you know awful. what there's already an event for pastors kids and you know what it's called going to a christian college it's called liberty university <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> You <laughs> see, except I went to Wheaton, which had lots of pastors' kids, but it also had lots of doctors' kids, and so they sort right. of they they brought the money and sort of the jaded worldliness, and we brought the general cynicism, and then you threw in some missionary kids for a little bit of oddity as well. Dude, the doctors' kids left all the great free jackets lying around though for you to pick up. Yes, <laughs> they did. Gear. This is not a negative statement about doctors' kids in any no. way. I love them and their North Face shirts. Absolutely. Uh, let's also thank our friends at Resonate Recordings. That's Mark Owens and the guys at Resonate Recordings. Uh, go to facebook.com slash resonate recordings. If you need your podcast or sermon edited, those guys are a great bunch. Uh, super helpful to work with. So, uh, facebook.com slash resonate recordings, resonate recordings, like them, tell them we sent you. Uh, guys, have you, uh, have you listened to Ryan Adams at all? Have you listened to his new album where he covered every song on 1989 by Taylor Swift? I listened to roughly 30 seconds of it and wished I was listening to the Taylor Swift version. <laughs> so then I just switched over and, in fact, did listen to those versions. I I didn't make it to 30 seconds. And then on the recommendation of a very nice Twitter person whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, he said, no, you need to listen to Ryan Adams' older stuff because that's when he was good. And I went back and listened and it sounded like a college guy covering Bob Dylan in a bar. So my impression yeah. of Ryan Adams wasn't awesome. Well, guys, contrary His to... His older stuff, meaning from 2014. <laughs> <laughs> when so, he was, in fact, a college guy in a bar. Covering Bob Dylan, I think. I, uh, I actually like Ryan Adams. I'm not, not ashamed to say it. And uh, I like some of the covers he did of Taylor Swift. But someone posed... We're doing all reader questions today. And they came with some good ones, yeah, strong they, questions they came from, with some, from, from listeners. Some really good ones. Yeah, listeners, not readers. Um, and someone posed the question, what other artists should do covers uh, of other artists? And so, what you know, Ryan Adams did Taylor Swift. Who else should do what Ryan Adams did? So, uh, Barnabas, you, did, did that strike anything in your brain of, of good potential covers? It did in for two artists because the, I'm not a big fan of pop music in general, but there are some pop artists who are phenomenal musicians, and to me it feels like they're wasting their talent doing kind of dumb pop stuff. So I think I think Rihanna needs to cover Etta, like an Etta James Greatest Hits. Ooh. Because Rihanna, ha, Rihanna has singing chops, but she sings dumb songs. So if she sang some like classic soulful stuff, she'd be fantastic. You know what I appreciate, Barnabas, is the nuance of your opinions of music. I appreciate <laughs> how like subtle and <laughs> you're just. I get, I get that a lot. I, I think I must just be. I, I really am good at, at nuancing everything. I get told that about stuff at work too. We're so glad that you're subtle and and really can play to people's feelings and things like that. Yeah, and you I, know what they I, call him Nuance. His his nickname is Nuance. Nuance Piper. Barnabas Nuance Piper. 
Uh, okay, so Rihanna covering Etta James because right now everything Rihanna does is just dumb. So you would like her to cover? No, Etta I mean James. just th- think think like her biggest hits. No, she's done some good stuff, but it, most of her biggest hits are more like pop oriented, and they don't show off. Like she can really, really sing, and so I would. I think it'd be cool if she did some songs that had more soul and a little bit more like like more power to them instead of like the bubblegum pop kind of stuff. Um, now, there are those who, who love her music, and so I'm not saying she needs to quit. She's clearly quite successful. I just would love to hear that side of her voice more. The other one is uh, John Mayer covering old blues stuff like like Curtis Jones or uh, John Lee Hooker or something like that because Mayer is an incredible guitar player. Uh, he's just he I kind of like Rihanna. I'm not a big fan of his music, but as a as what a about guitar his player, old, what about his old stuff? I I was never a big fan. It just it just sort of seems again it's like that light poppy kind of stuff. And so I feel like if he if he just went totally the other direction to like sad bluesy stuff with a lot of great guitar riffs, it'd be really good. Well, that's what he tried to do. In, I mean, he's been actually moving more that direction. But what out was it? Continuum that he really focused on the blues. I think so. And of all of his stuff, that was the best. I'm not a huge fan of his voice in general. It's the guitar stuff that I would love to see him show off more. Yeah, uh, Ted. What about you, dude? What if we uh, What if we got Rihanna to do some Stephen Altrogi oh, songs? Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. I, that's got a lot of potential. I do you ha, do you have a contact with her by any chance? I do, man. I'll I'll talk to. I'll get that from Chaz. I think uh, <laughs> I think they had a they had a brief relationship a couple of years ago. I think while I she think was doing had, her early stuff, they, had a they probably had brunch recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. They they had breakfast together, if you know what I mean. Spe- yeah. Speaking of before <laughs> Edit that I, out, be- resonate recordings. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go on, uh, I should mention that uh, Chaz uh, has actually agreed to come on the podcast in the near future. In principle, we haven't worked out the details. You well, know, he's he signed an offer sheet. Yeah, he's we expensive, need to- dude. How are we going to cover that? We need to get another sponsor since Dave's gone. Yeah, we need Dave to come back. We need Dave to rethink going to college and just <laughs> <laughs> come back to us, Dave. He just needs to go to community college. Yeah, yeah, stay at home and knock out some gen ads, man. It's smart. <laughs> it's a smart move. <laughs> uh, okay, Ted, so besides Rihanna covering me. Yeah. What else Dude, you know got? what? I wish I wish nearly anyone would cover the Beatles. Oh. And and here's why. Like I love the Beatles. I feel like for a for for I know you do. Of course you do. For for an educated person. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. For, <laughs> hold on. What the, I like where this is going. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Dude, I find the Beatles' music to be some of the most boring music ever oh, made, man. On. Yeah, here, here's the yes. thing: like when you're when you're like a an educated white person, you have to sit around and pontificate and be like, "Oh, the Beatles! I just you know, I just love what they did, and you know, they changed music, and you know, I mean, you're required to sort of talk in those terms, but yet every time I listen to the Beatles, I wish I was listening to something else. <laughs> so. Do you if feel you the could same get way like about Bruce Springsteen, or do you like Bruce Springsteen? No, nah, dude, I kind of feel honestly, I feel the same way I don't about like, Springsteen. Yes. I don't like Springsteen. Oh, yeah. good kindred spirits. I can't. I'm, I'm not a Beatles or Springsteen. So person, here's the thing, exactly man. If we can get like Fifty Cent or Fallout Boy to cover <laughs> the Beatles, I would listen to that. <laughs> no, do you remember it? Like was, a whole album. A whole album. Yeah, that like a whole fast. album. Do you remember or the whole collection? Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> it was probably ten years ago when the movie. Um, what was that movie that came out? Uh, 
the whole soundtrack was Beatles songs covered by other people. Did you hear that soundtrack? Mm. I don't know. I don't remember it. It was like Pearl Jam did one. Uh, I'll have to find the link and send it to you and see if yeah, I would listen to that. I would listen to that. Um, it was interesting. I I like the Beatles too much to see them ruined by somebody like Fallout Boy. I would now, rather I listen to basically anybody but Fall Out Boy. See, I love Fall Out Boy, man. I've I've got their entire collection. I celebrate <laughs> all their work. Stephen, I feel a, like you had a you probably had a phase, and tell me when it was, where you tried to sort of emulate the Beatle haircut, that kind of mushroomy like <laughs> long bang sort of situation. Now, did, did am I right in that? No, the only re- you're wrong, but the only reason is because my hair is so odd. Like I have this really odd sort of cowlick in the front of my head which i feel like you have a thick helmet of hair oh i do i do it's <laughs> does yeah. it grow out and not down yeah it's i have a very like ted koppel like head of hair uh <laughs> the helmet helmet hair <laughs> yeah nice uh but yeah so but the reason i i i do attribute my love to the beatles for my from my dad because that's who he grew up listening to and so we grew up listening to a lot of the a lot of the beatles so i do like them uh, is there anybody else other than the Beatles that you would like to see covered? No, nah, not really. <laughs> That's it. Just just anything to to make their music sound different than it does right now. Exactly. So because I was homeschooled and grew up in a Christian home, I was thinking of uh, of some Christian bands that could maybe cover each other. Um, mm-hmm. And I was also polling one of my friends to see to see who he thought would be a good cover. So he suggested Twyla Paris covering a Lecrae album. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, I mean, if if we're just going for opposite ends of the musical spectrum, that's pretty strong. I'm my brain is a little bit bent trying to figure out what that would sound like. Well, it'd be a very genre bending sort of album. It would really. Dude, how long until like awkward white worship leaders try to do Lecrae <laughs> from the front of the room? Is that already happening? That might be happening. It's, surely it's got to be happening somewhere. Yeah. Steven, speak to that. Have you have you seen this in your travels? I actually no, I haven't seen it. The closest I can think of though that came to it is there is on one of the Passion albums, there's a David Crowder song with a with a Lecrae interlude. Oh right. Everybody's doing the Lecrae interlude right yeah, now. Yeah, the, the, the Lecrae inter, er, interlude is a big thing. Um so Twilight Paris covering Lecrae. I was also thinking about Carmen covering DC Talk. Wow. Ooh. Because Carmen basically has tried every genre, so why not? And so did DC Talk. And so did DC Talk. <laughs> exactly. So it could go either way. DC Talk, DC Talk could cover um, Carmen, or Carmen could cover DC Talk. I feel See, like I, a jar. I feel like a jars Carmen of clay. Well, say again, Ted. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Carmen cover Lecrae. You know, <laughs> we're gonna have him go back into the puffy purple jacket like rap phase. I wonder how Lecrae would feel about that. Honored. Honored. <laughs> he should. It's a musical <laughs> pioneer. Yeah, hey, exactly. Hey, do you guys remember the band Apologetics? No. <laughs> nope. They were uh they were kind of like a weird a Christian weird owl. Oh my. They would yeah, it's that good. They would parody uh Christ, they would wait, no, they would parody songs but put a Christian spin on them. Uh, hold on. Now I got to I got to pull one of these up. Um, I got to find what apologetics did because they were big, like not big. That's the wrong term. Uh, okay. So if you go to apologetics with an X dot com. Of course. It's oh, with an X. X. Yeah. Of course. Uh, 
so let's see. Yeah. Wow, their site apparently was designed in 1999 and has not. Wow, guys, they they just released an album this year. So they're current. They're up on things. So singles group. uh, So they did Brush, which is a parody of Tush by ZZ Top. Mm, Uh, Cousin Cousin Zephaniah, which is a parody of Cuts Like a Knife by Brian Adams. (laughs) <laughs> Such impressive, loving, smart, close friends, which is a parody of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by the Beatles. Uh, hey, there's I, a Beatles cover for you, Ted. There you go. I'm uh, album solved. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Some Sign from Above, which is a parody of Sunshine of Your Love by Cream. You guys see where this is going. This is good stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure going is the word that I would use. So I see it. Yeah, you, you see there. it. Yeah, you see it. So, uh, if you want to check that out, go to apologeticswithanx.com. Uh, and if, if you have any suggestions for bands that should cover other bands, hit us up on Twitter, at HappyRantPod. You can hit me up, hit Barnabas up. You can send an email to Ted, which he will not look at. You, you uh, know what would actually be exactly. a successful crossover uh, in terms of not so much genre as, as marketplace would be Jars of Clay covering the Beatles. I think that that would blow up in the Christian world because all of a sudden Beatles music is sanctified, and uh, and it might have crossover appeal for Jars of Clay because who doesn't love Beatles covers? Uh, Ted does. I I think that has real potential. I think they could do that. Actually, they're a band that could pull that off. I think. Dude, well, and we we talked about this. I think via text, but um, I'd like to hear Ryan Adams covering Brian Adams. Yes. <laughs> So like a slow, boring like, or a duet. hipster with an, an acoustic guitar version of uh, of the song from Robin Hood from the nineties. That's really what I want to hear. <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, let's move on to uh, this was another listener suggested one, and I think that this is a really good one. This is a fun one. Um, unwritten rules in sports: Are they good? Which ones are good? Which ones are bad? Uh, which are the dumbest? And there was a couple. My mind immediately went to baseball. I feel like is there a lot of is there more unwritten rules in baseball than in other sports? Uh, I don't know if there are more. That people are definitely louder about them because the the defenders of baseball's old way are are really obnoxious. So yeah, so a couple that came to my mind immediately were <clears throat> the unwritten rule that if one of your batters gets hit uh, by a ball then the next inning your pitcher needs to hit one of their batters and usually that doesn't that usually result in both of them getting ejected yeah the first guy never no the first guy never gets ejected yeah, the second sorry. guy second yeah, guy gets second ejected guy. and occasionally the batter does cuz often he's screaming profanities and charging the mound too so uh yeah it's it's usually the the reactionary pitcher ends up getting ejected it's so interesting I, too cuz you know like everybody knows it's coming it's not a surprise in the least, and yet I, everybody acts like it's some sort of crazy retaliatory act. I think it's fascinating because with the emphasis on player safety and all things sports, there's sort of this this uh, acceptable notion that hurling a really, really hard sphere at somebody at 90 miles an hour is a good idea. Well, it's, like, not, that, it's like the that honor seems code. odd. It's like an honor code in baseball. Like if a dude, but if, it'll actually kill them potentially. Well, usually they go for the back, though, don't they? Yeah, but, yeah, but you know. like 
pinpoint accuracy when you're hurling a you know ball at somebody is you know you you don't always have that like a chapman might not be the best guy to be doing this well especially because he throws not 90 but like 103 so that's yeah that would be a real <laughs> poor decision my the the dumbest unwritten rule that came to mind immediately for me is also from baseball and it's the no bat flips rule mm. it's you know you get a you get a guy who's a career utility player who's had you know three hundred at bats and is a terrible hitter and he hits a home run and a you know in a playoffs run and he celebrates you know he does a bat flip sort of watches the ball go out doesn't immediately start his jog and the entire other team just loses their minds how dare he you know dishonoring us and disrespecting the game and I this is why baseball is dying amongst everybody under forty because nobody's allowed to have any fun. It's that just completely blows my mind that that is still a thing. You guys remember Barry Bonds' routine? Yeah, hit the home run and watch it splash. Hit the home run. Seconds later. Yeah, hit the home run. Flip the bat. Slowly stroll down the first baseline and then go into the jog. Dude, do you also remember how the entire existence of Barry Bonds in baseball undermined <laughs> the integrity of baseball? <laughs> That's the funny thing. Like we're, yeah, I'm with Barnabas. I mean, we're freaking out about a bat flip or about somebody like jogging across the pitcher's mound between innings. Yet, like the fact that Barry Bonds started out as a 175 pound, like you know, slap hitting singles guy, and then morphed into like a you know Ray Lewis by the end of his career. You know, nobody's. Well, I mean, people are screaming about that too. But yeah, I think it's a little, uh, it's a little out of whack. What about unwritten rules in football? I was trying to think of unwritten football rules. Dude, there aren't that many. I mean, I think, you know, not running the score up in the fourth quarter when you're up by a, by a huge margin, I think that's a good one. You know, it's a jerk move to be, like, throwing the ball when you're up by four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. So, ba- um, so basically you're saying Bill Belichick is a jerk. In in that regard, I think I think he can be. Yeah, for sure. I feel like he's only a jerk when the NFL has punished his team the year before, and then he just comes back in full revenge mode on everybody. Most of the time, he's more decent, and they run Legarrette Blount into the ground. But dude, which I kind of find super entertaining, honestly. When Belichick gets all like <laughs> rage monster on people, I I, I kind of I know. It's fantastic. No, the, the thing about the thing about the NFL is like anything that would have been an unwritten rule. Because here's the thing about unwritten rules: they're the things that take all the fun out of a game. Right. So no celebration. All the fun out of the game. Yeah, the, the NFL took the unwritten rules and wrote them down. No, you can't spike the ball. No, you can't celebrate with your teammates. No, you can't wear those socks or those shoes. Yeah. I'm sorry, you have to tuck your jersey in. Like it's it's like a it's like a kid's first communion after you score a touchdown with all the like ceremony and rules and things you can't do so the nfl has written all those and so uh they have effectively they have effectively just recorded all the unwritten rules and ruined those aspects of the game do you guys remember about i think it was about 10 years ago when there was like an epidemic of end zone celebrations and it was when like Oh, like Joe, Joe Horn was yeah, saying, Horn with like the cell, cell phone that's out exactly of the thing. what I was thinking. Joe yes. Horn, Terrell Owens pulling the sharpie out of his sock, signing the football, and then Dude, giving what it. What was wrong with that? That was so awesome. It was fun. It was so fun. And then you remember Ocho Cinco had like a sign where he said, "Dear NFL, please don't find me for this." Yeah, so it was like a cheerleader. Yeah, he started like eating someone's popcorn at one point <laughs> from the stands. It was great, man. I know the the only people who the only people who don't like that are are I don't know Roger Goodell, I guess, because everybody Dude, yeah, else thinks it's awesome. 
the NFL is way better now that we spend all our time talking about like <laughs> rapes and you know beating up your kids, and it's way more fun. It's way more fun now that it's that, and every play is reviewed in super slow four thousand times, <laughs> and every game takes eight and a half hours to complete <laughs> as a result. Yeah, it's way more fun. Yeah, it's such, it's such a better game. Um, mm, yeah, it's purer. You know, <laughs> we took out all that human error. Yeah, don't want that. That's no fun. I That's right. I feel I feel like golf and tennis are entirely unwritten rules. Like I realize the game themselves, the game itself has very specific rules, but in terms of like the culture of the game, I would feel more comfortable going to a presidential ball with no instructions than I would trying <laughs> to play on the PGA Tour. I have, yeah. it just looks so or even attending one. I just I would feel so out of place and like I'm I'm going to screw up one of these unwritten rules. Yeah, Dude, like, here's what tells me about tennis, man. They got all these unwritten rules, and you got these like finely tuned athletes, right? Like world class athletes. Yet they still they do the thing where they like they stick the extra tennis ball like up into their shorts. Have you seen this? Yes. Yeah. Like before service, they stick the extra ball up there, and it looks like a you know like a third <laughs> testicle, and then they're like they're trying to run around with this extra tennis ball in their shorts. It's like. You know, is there, is there not an extra place to put this just for a second, you know? <laughs> I mean, they have they have these kids who sprint at full speed across the court, back and forth to fetch the various bouncing tennis balls that have gone out of play. Can't they just hold it and, like, Dude, bounce yeah. it to the guy yeah, serving? Can't kid and say, like, hang on to this while I serve this other ball? <laughs> hey, you, you know? guys remember that Seinfeld episode where Kramer tried out to be a ball <laughs> yeah, boy? It was fantastic. <laughs> That was such a great episode. All right, what about basketball? Are there? Uh, I was trying to think, Barnabas, unwritten basketball rules. I feel like the unwritten basketball rules have mostly to do with age. Like if you are, if you, if you've only been in the league for two years, you just can't expect to ever get a foul called. So you drive into the lane, and some forty-two-year-old power forward, <laughs> you know, shoves your face in his armpit, and the refs just kind of swallow the whistle because you haven't earned the right for the rules to be in your favor yet. You know what I love are some of those, like, uh, they're not exactly unwritten rules, but they're, like, unwritten things that a guy or a team does. Like like Kevin Garnett never letting a shot go in after the whistle blew. That was true. That was true until he got old enough that he couldn't jump until, like, above yeah. the rim anymore. <laughs> but he, he started that, and now a bunch of guys are, are doing that, which, I, that's brilliant. I love that. I love that whole aspect of, like, you know, we're not going to let anybody put in a free shot after the whistle. Dude, you know what I think is a stupid unwritten rule from like high school sports? And I'm going to get killed for this, but uh, the way you have to line up and like walk past the other team and sort of half-heartedly shake their hand. Like a display of good sportsmanship. I hate that. It was like, on, you know what? If I respect you, list. if you've played a good game, I will seek you out and shake your hand and probably give you a hug and say good game. But if you if you didn't, I don't want to shake your hand. I don't even want to fake it, you know? Well, and and do you, you remember how like LeBron James got killed when he was with the Cavaliers? I think it was when he was with the Cavs for leaving the court without shaking the opponent's hands after just a devastating loss that ended their season. I think it was yeah. very. I feel like not shaking anyone's hand after your season ends in a crushing way is a really reasonable response. I agree. Like leaving the court so the people don't see you cry or so you can go break things in privacy or whatever that. That seems really reasonable to me, and yet he just got crushed for it, which just speaks to your your comments about how dumb that that expectation and unwritten rule is. It's yeah, mainly because it's like it's a force. Whoa, somebody ringing a bell. <laughs> now there's a bowl on the table where I am, and I accidentally hit it with my knuckle. 
Uh, Remember early on in the program where there would be all those like clanging metal construction noises in the background of like my segments? <laughs> Isn't it better how, how we don't have that anymore? Now we just have you rocking in your chair. And now we get people saying I like their older stuff with all the clanging metal sounds. <laughs> That's right. It's like, it's like the vinyl version of the podcast. Yeah. When Hipsters we, are saying they want like the. When do we get to release like our best, like our best of album? You know, like we. When do you get to that point where you get to release a best of? I don't know how many. I. What are we at now? Episode like fifty eight, fifty nine. Yeah, maybe like at a hundred. Yeah, I think at a hundred you can go back and pick your top ten or something. We need to do that. Um. All right. Let's move on to let's let's talk about this is another really really good one. Um, the issue of foul-mouthed swearing Christians or authors. So, for example, there's some podcasts where the they're Christian podcasts, but the guys just you know they swear a lot. They swear all the time. There's one called the Bad Christian Podcast. Are there other ones, Barnabas? That's the. I mean, in terms of podcast, that's the one I'm familiar with. I know that the the listener also brought up a couple authors, like uh, what was it? Accidental Saints was the name of the book, which I think is a Nadia Bolts Weber. Oh book. yeah, of course she's gonna swear. So there's <laughs> that <be> awesome, <laughs> but that's. Uh, but I don't know. I I don't seek that stuff out, and I don't say that in like some holy roller way. I just like I'm not super familiar with it. Ted, do you? Just general question. Do you think it's okay for Christians to swear? Uh, and man, that- that's a tough one. <laughs> and, and, I mean, I'll be super transparent when I say that I swear a lot, but I also feel I feel convicted about it, you know, and I'm, I'm trying not to, or I'm trying to swear less. And, I mean, I feel like for me it's a, it's a self-control issue, uh, both in the sense of, of anger, but also in the sense of, like, I don't always have to get the laugh. You know what I mean? I don't always have to say the the funniest thing. And often the funniest thing is swearing. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, if we're really trying to be edifying in the way that we speak and interact, like that's something that I need to work on. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, Sorry, go ahead. Keep, keep No, going. I'll also say that in the, in the interest of authenticity in books, uh, especially – as I'm interviewing people and even sometimes as I'm writing myself, um, you know, sometimes it, it needs to be there. So I, I think from a literary standpoint, you know, rather than kind of obviously go through and edit what someone's saying or whatever, I, I think sometimes it needs to be there. Well, the worst is when it like it's like a Christian novel and it's like sort of fake swearing. I mean, you know, right. where, where a guy's like a guy comes upon a murder scene and he's like, gosh, darn it. Like that, that's the worst. Um, you know, it's interesting. I've been thinking about this lately to this issue and it strikes me that obviously there are, there's just a, a number of things to think about here. And I think first and foremost, and I know this sounds a bit like a cop out, but it truly is like, I think when it comes to cursing, you really first and foremost have to go to like, what's going on in the heart before you talk mm. about like what words are coming out of your mouth. Cause honestly, I can be really, really angry and say a word that technically isn't a swear word, but I might as well have just cussed in terms of where my heart's at. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I mean, I, I agree with that. I think swearing to me is, is a lot like 
any number of other issues that we've talked about in terms of smoking or drinking or anything else that there's this there's sort of this continuum and for some people it's probably something that they had they ought to give up cold turkey and for other people there's a lot more sort of liberty with it because uh as long as they're doing it in the in the right context that context is another thing like if you if you're swearing around people who it offends then you're sinning because you're hurting them and you're 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 doing ill for them if you're swearing around people who it does not offend and there's this mutual understanding kind of thing and this the similar standard then then i think that there you can have a clear conscience in it in a lot of ways and uh the the issue that the the listener raised about people he he seemed to be raising the question about what about these christians who do it almost like they're trying to prove a point mm. You know, like the they're they're yeah. swearing because they want to show that Christians can do this, or to sort of take away the stigma of like, oh, Christians don't do those things, or whatever it is. And I I do have a bit of a problem with that because it feels disingenuous. It's like total. That's like fake authenticity. You know right. what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like it's like oh, I'm I'm gonna swear. Which is, by the way, a, a thing that happens all the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But it, it it is annoying because it's like this sort of fake display of. Oh, look at me! Look what I can do. Uh, I'm a Christian, but I can swear. And it's, I don't know. To me, that just feels cheap to me. You know what I mean? It's almost like sort of a cheap way of getting someone's attention. Right. I. I mean, I, to to me, the the question that, and this is very fuzzy. the The answer is very fuzzy. It's is how how genuine is this to you and to, to your point, Stephen, to your heart being in the right place, and all of those things, and. If you're just doing something to prove a point, you, it's less about heart and more about impression that you're leaving, and that's that's problematic. And so, you, you know, your your language, your beverage of choice, your whatever. If you're only doing it to look a certain way to make a certain point, that's not that's not genuine. It's not authentic, and it's not doing anyone any good. And it's probably setting it, it's giving an entirely false impression instead of the quote unquote authentic one you were trying to give. I was I was with a guy um, about a month ago, and he's <clears throat> excuse me, he's a guy in the church, and he's an older guy. He's one of the <clears throat> the most godly guys that I know, and he <clears throat> he swore in a very strong way, and honestly, it, it really like in the context, it actually edified me quite a bit, which it might sound confusing, but. The way he spoke and the things he was speaking about, it actually had a very edifying effect on me. So it's just it, it seems like there's a lot of things to really think through and to get to ultimately to get to what's going on, you know, in my heart. Why am I doing this? How's this affecting people? I I do think that there's some value. It's just funny because it sounds like I'm contradicting myself. There is some value in destigmatizing certain actions and certain words uh, because. I mean, think back to like your youth group experience, Stevens, especially, and the number of times when like not swearing was listed as my Christian witness. So people would be like, well, you know, like I try not to swear in the locker room at school and things like that, as if that's that aspect of morality is the essence of Christianity. And so to sort of take that away and say, you know what, you're not holier if you don't swear, you can be just as just as ungodly with a pure mouth. You can be just as much of a douche if you don't swear. And yeah, so or and then and then you can be incredibly godly and use the word douche, for example. So those 
that kind of stuff, we do need to to untangle some of that so that we're not creating false value on certain moral behaviors or quote-unquote moral behaviors. But the flip side remains true where doing those things in excess just to prove that they're okay doesn't actually solve that problem. So, you know, Barnabas, I'm curious, do you still, like, do you still swear at your kids? <laughs> still swear at my kids? Um, <laughs> only on Thursdays and when they're loud and occasionally at <laughs> <laughs> no, that's if there's something that I try not to do, it is swear at my kids. Have you? That, that seems unhelpful. Have either of you guys? I don't know if your kids are old enough yet, but have either of you guys caught your kids cursing yet? Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't say caught because we, in the sense that my kids don't feel real guilty. Like they have said curse words, but it's not our reaction to it is not like how dare you. It's more like um. We can find a better way to express that because I don't want to stigmatize those words because the reason I the reason I grew up thinking swearing was a certain thing is because when I was caught doing it, somebody freaked out about it. A Sunday school teacher, a a teacher at school, whatever it was, instead of them just saying, you know what, there's a more polite, better, more respectful way to say that. Uh, and so they attach great moral significance to saying damn or hell or something like that. And, uh, and I don't want to do that for my kids. I think that's a good point. And I it can <clears throat> it can get to the point where you're right. It's like so focused on the words itself, like what word you use that it's not really thinking through like okay, why did you say this? What was going on? All the all the heart things that us parents are supposed to do these days. Um, so yeah, I just, it's, I, I just don't want to leave like this seared impression in my children's mind that if they say like, on the one hand, if they say something, it's the one thing that can get under dad's skin. And on the other hand, that there's this, it's this great evil so that they have to avoid this and tiptoe around it. You know, if they slip up and cuss, uh, you know, because they're angry or they get frustrated, that's not any worse than any anything else they do when they get impatient or get frustrated. It's just a word that we're trying to maybe help them see that there's a more respectful, better way to do this. And also, please don't do that around certain people we go to church with because they will lose their minds. Yeah, <laughs> my kids at this point, they, they're they too – I mean, my oldest is only in second grade, so I don't think she even knows what curse words are yet. Um, I'm trying to teach her, but it's slow. Uh, but it'll come. I know it, it'll come as she gets a little older. Just, just do the uh, do the rhyming game. You know that duck, duck, bobuck, banana ramifo. She'll pick up on them real quick. The the first time just I play ever fifty gotten... cents get Richard Dodge rhyme for. Let me ride on our enemies. That'll do it. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. The first time I got in trouble for swearing was I was probably like five, and I was just doing like random rhyming words, and I said the f word really loud like in the same room as my dad and he, he turned on me so fast and was like what did you say and i was like i don't know i don't know what i said but i learned that day that uh that the word that rhymes with duck and starts with an f is a bad word you learned a valuable lesson that day. right and i've never forgotten it well folks we've wandered too and far on this podcast thanks for sticking with us Thank you especially to all of you who have reviewed the podcast on iTunes. We're up over 115 reviews. If you would be so kind as to go to iTunes, give us a click, give a click on the rating. Uh, if you write a review, a lot of times we read those reviews on the air, so we're super grateful for those. 
thanks to our sponsors, David C. Cook. Uh, you can get Barnabas's book, The Pastor's Kid, for one ninety nine on Kindle and just about every other digital de- digital device. Also, thanks to the guys at Resonate Recordings for editing the podcast. If you need a podcast or sermon edited, those are the guys to do it. Facebook.com slash Resonate Recordings. And guys, uh, until next time, I guess I can't curse to close it out. I was actually debating on whether or not I should insert a cuss word to close out the podcast. but Have the Resonate guys bleep it out, man. Do it. <laughs> I, I could... <laughs> I could bleep it out myself. On I could edit that one myself. Uh, I'll pass on the the cuss word just to just so we don't alienate any listeners. Because you still have conservative even homeschool guilt. I do because I, I have residual guilt. Uh, until next time, folks. Peace the bleep out. Hey everybody, I'm Dale and I'm Tamara and we're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast, where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word kainos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.